So we're taking a break from Revelation this week. Uh, we're going to do something a little different in that uh, this Sunday we are installing uh, David Taylor as our uh, newest elder and really excited about that. And so I want to... <coughs> We do have uh, two more weeks in Revelation that we'll, we'll uh, pick back up next week, and then we'll dive into Christmassy stuff. Uh, but So for this week, though, I want to talk a little bit about uh, the gift of leadership, the gift of leadership, and the fact that, uh, that the leadership that God blesses us with is, is such an incredible gift, um, one that I think we oftentimes, uh, it's one of those gifts that you kind of get and put in the corner and forget about a lot of times. Um, and I want us to not be a church, uh, that, that does that, but that really, like, it's such a beautiful gift that God gives us. And this is what we're going to talk about today that I want to make sure that we are, uh, utilizing that gift properly, utilizing it properly. So, so if you're new to church, like, you know, maybe you haven't been in church in a really long time. Um, and, you know, well, let's, let's play a little game real fast. So who here has been in church, any church, uh, for more than five years, hands high, more than five years. All right. All right. All right. Okay. All right. Keep your hands up. Uh, if you've been in church for more than 10 years, more than 10 years, keep them high. All right. More than 20 years. Keep your hands up. If you've been in more church, church more than 20 years. All right. Who's been in church for more than 30 years, 30, 40. Who's been in church more than 50 years, 50 years. Oh, you guys are so old. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So that's, that's great. So here's the deal. For those of you who have been in church, uh, say 20 to 30 plus years, um, chances are your church experience today is much different than it was 20, 30 years ago. Um, in fact, you know, if I think back on the, the churches I've, I was a part of as a younger lad, um, it was very, it was very different. Uh, you know, let me, let me see if I can describe what maybe your church experience looked like because this is what most of them look There are exceptions. I'm making sweeping generalizations here, but, but this is what most of it looked like. It tended to be maybe a, maybe a little bit of a, a smaller church, maybe somewhere around this size or, or smaller, um, and uh, tended to be a group of people that it, it felt a little bit country clubbish. In other words, it was kind of inward focused, not a lot of outreach going on, maybe some, maybe a little bit, but, but it tended to be more about... Let's do programs and stuff to kind of keep keep ourselves, you know, uh, happy and keep you know the people who tend to not be happy happy and and you know that sort of thing and and uh, and so and maybe there was even a little bit of kind of walking around on eggshells, a little bit of like ah uh, you know I, I don't know if I should you know show this side of myself when I'm around my church friends you know and this is kind of kind of people live in dual lives a little bit. And, um, and so there was just this kind of weird dynamic that went on in church. Church used to be a little bit more, um, judgmental. That's why we come up with, you know, Dana Carvey's church lady skit, that kind of thing, you know, and, and, uh, and so I won't do the impression. I could awesome. I could do it. Awesome. No, 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 no. So I'm, I'm not Casey Kasem. I don't do requests. And three of you got that joke. Three of you. So anyway. All right. So, uh, yeah, isn't that special? So, um, we, <laughs> so we could, um, yeah, I mean, it was just a different vibe. Church had a different vibe back in the day. And, and, and some of it we look back on and kind of miss. And, so, and a lot of it, probably for a lot of us, 
you know, you look back on and go, I'm actually really glad church is much different now than it, than it was back then. And, and uh, you know, um, and so, but here, here's one of the things I can tell you that was very common. This is starting to change. It's just, just kind of starting to change. But something that was very common for uh, church, you know, several decades ago was that, well, it's this. Jesus, you know, especially if you go to John's gospel, uh, the whole last part of that gospel is Jesus praying for unity, that his followers would have unity. Father, make, help them to be one, even as you and I are one. And all this kind of talk of unity. A lot of the, the stuff that Paul writes in his letters to the churches centers around the concept of, of, of unity. And we um, are, are working uh, pretty hard at unity right now, but that hasn't always been the case. In fact, I think if you, if you were to kind of take your mind back in the Wayback Machine and think of church a few decades ago, you'd probably be hard-pressed to think that the American church was marked by unity. Uh, a lot of division, a lot of division, and to the point that, you know, churches were splitting all the time. I served in a church once that we found out that part of this church's history was that at one point the local county judge had chained the doors of the, of the church shut because there was so much fighting going on inside this church. Um, that it was a first so-and-so church, and uh, they had a split and the group, no, no, I'm sorry. It was not a first, it was just a so-and-so church. It was just a denomination church. And they had a split and the group that split off from this church decided they would call themselves the first so-and-so church. And the other congregation was like, they weren't having any part of it. And it got ugly. Uh, I think even fist fights broke out and all kinds of stuff. And, and so, uh, so a lot of churches were not starting. You know, today we start churches from most often anyway, Today, we start churches from a place of, a, you know, uh, a church planter or, or a handful of church planters feel like, uh, you know, God's calling me to, to plant a new congregation in a particular city that may, may be light on churches or, or something like that. Back in the day, churches were being planted left and right, but it was generally because they were splitting off from other churches. Just all this kind of arguing and, and division that was going on really ugly, honestly. Uh, even to the, you know, I'm not anti-denomination necessarily, but I think you can look at how denominations, you know, kind of kept splintering and splintering and splintering. You know, we don't, we disagree about this and we disagree about this and we disagree about this and just kind of keep splintering. Um, and at some point you kind of got to look at that and go, well, there's so much that you do agree on. Do you really need a separate church for what you disagree about? You know, and, and, and so, like I said, the, the, the climate of church in America is just beginning to change, I think. Um, you know, we work really hard at unity here at Living Hope, and not just within these walls, but we work really hard at unity with the other churches in this town. That unity is something that is beautiful and something that should be pursued, that we should be, uh, you know, wouldn't it be nice if we were the church of Dixon versus the many churches of Dixon, you know, that we, we had that oneness. I remember when I was in the Army, <coughs> when I was in the Army, uh, uh, I was stationed at Fort Myer, Virginia, which is just adjacent to um, um, Arlington Cemetery. And there's a couple different units that are, are based there. And my particular unit uh, was, you know, about two or 3,000 people. Uh, and I, we had one copying machine for the entire unit, as, as the Army does. And, uh, and so we, uh, I had to make some copies. I go to, you know, our headquarters to make copies. The copy machine is down, but I really have to get these copies. So I head over to a different headquarters of a different unit, uh, to make copies at their place. 
And uh, this general that led the unit kind of comes out of his office and he sees me making copies. He sees the patches on my shoulder and he's like, hey, you're not one of us. And uh, and I, I, I remember saying something to him like, um, you know, uh, we're, we're all the same army, sir, or something like that. And he loved that so much. He gave me a coin. He just thought that was the greatest thing. And, and, and I, I want us to have that kind of mentality about church that, you know, it's fine that we have Living Hope Church and the Dixon Methodist Church and the Dixon Community Church and the Cornerstone Church and the Calvary Chapel Church and the other churches in town. It's fine that we have these diverse, because here's, here's the truth about that. They, you know, Dixon Community uh, Church, uh, because of their flavor and their DNA, they're going to reach a group of people that we're not going to reach. And we're going to reach a group of people that they're not going to reach. And that's what the, the beauty, beauty and diversity of, of church does. However, we are all the same church. We're all the same capital C church that we are all on the same team. We have an enemy and it's not each other. It's not each other. Amen. Amen. And so we strive for that. We really strive for that unity. We want to be a unified church. Uh, we want to, you know, let's be known for uh, more, for more about things that we're for versus things that we're against or people that we're against. Um, I think the world has, has, you know, just got a sour taste in its mouth because of just years and years and years of division in the church. Let's be different. Let's be different. So as, as we look at that idea, um, Paul addresses this concept of unity and maturity in this passage of of Ephesians chapter four that we're going to read today. And, uh, and he lets us in on a little secret of how, how we attain that. Uh, so let me just start reading. Ephesians chapter 4, if you're using one of the Bibles from the back, it's page 977. It says this. Let me grab a drink. It says, I therefore, this is Paul talking. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, as Paul kind of lays this groundwork for this concept of unity, us being unified under one God, under one baptism, under you know one faith, <clears throat> um, he kind of he, there's kind of a puzzling statement there at the end where he says, but, but, but kind of talking about gifts and grace and and that sort of thing. I think what he's actually trying to say is that in order to maintain, to attain and maintain this unity. God has blessed you with certain gifts to help you along in this process because unity is such a big deal. You have to, you have to realize that if, if the last thing before Jesus you know, is praying about before he goes to the cross is that we would all be unified, then it's a pretty big deal. It's a pretty big deal. I mean, I mean, just think of that for a second, that the last thing that's on Jesus' mind before he's arrested and beaten and tried and crucified, the last thing that's on his mind is actually us. Father, help them to be unified. Help them to be one, even as you and I are one. It's weighing heavy on him. Because I think, you know, Jesus being Jesus, he can kind of look ahead and go, these people, these people, they're going to take my beautiful bride and punch her in the face. Right? 
They're just gonna, you know, they're going to jack with something that, that, that should be really beautiful. Jesus says, you know, uh, to all of us, he says, they'll know you're my followers by your what? By your love for who? Each other. Each other. Here's the thing. The, the world may know the church for a lot of things. They may know us for, you know, I don't know, whatever. The things that we do in the community, they may know us for, you know, the rants that we go on. They may know us for our, you know, political ideology. You know, they may know us by different theologies. But at the bare minimum, Jesus Christ gives us this foundation, this bare minimum. I want you to make sure what they really know you for is that man alive, those people love each other. They really care about each other. There's something like the world should be able to look into our congregation and go, whew, those guys love each other. Like, I want to be a part of something like that, right? That's, that's what the world should know us for. I don't think that's been the case necessarily. I don't think it's been the case. There's this word that I love so much um, out of that passage I just read where he says in verse 3, he says, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, eager to maintain this unity and peace, eager to do it. And I, I did a kind of word study of that word eager, the Greek word that we translate into eager, that, that one of the meanings that comes up for that word is this, put that up there. It's impatient expectancy, impatient. This, this describes what I'm talking about so perfectly, impatient expectancy. You want to know what impatient expectancy? Imagine a, uh, a pregnant mom about eight and a half months in. That's impatient expectancy. I love this baby in my belly. I would do anything for this. Get this thing out of me now. <laughs> right? Impatient expectancy. There's something so good that's coming, but it's got to go. It's got to go right now. Impatient expectancy. And that describes our church's attitude about unity so well. And this is the point I want to make about that. It's that we don't play around with unity. We don't mess around with unity. It's serious business to us. We love to be a church that has fun. We love to be a church that lasts. You know, one of our core values is that, you know, that if you're, if you're not having fun at church, you're just not doing it right. You're not doing it right. And we love to be that kind of church. We're going to laugh. We're going to joke around with each other. We might even make fun of each other a little bit, you know, if you get, that, get, get into the closed circles here, you know, whatever. I mean, it's, it is, it's, it's a great thing to have church, to do church, to be a part of a beautiful church. And, and, and man, you're on... You're in a safe place this morning. This is a great church. And if you're new, you'll just have to trust me and kind of, kind of kick the tires here for a little while and find out for yourself. But it is a beautiful, beautiful congregation to be a part of. One of the things that keeps it beautiful, one of the things that keeps us unified, low drama as a church, is that we have this impatient expectancy around the idea of unity. That unity is something that we don't, we don't play around with. Now, I'm not the guy who likes inviting people to leave church. I'm not that guy. I'm not the guy who, 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 who tries to, you know, tell people they got to they gotta hit, the, hit the bricks. But this is one issue where I will go there because I don't play around with unity. I don't play around with unity. And our leaders don't. Now, I, don't I don't mean to suggest that we treat that kind of thing casually. It's heartbreaking. And we, actually, we've never even had to do it. But it's heartbreaking, that idea of potentially asking someone to leave your congregation because they are disrupting the unity of our church. And what I'm talking about is people, like issues like gossip. We don't mess around with gossip. Does anybody here want to be a part of a gossipy church? No, you don't. And if you do, go find a different one because you're in the wrong place. 
We don't want to be a part of a gossipy church. And so if you get, I mean, you're, you'll find out pretty quickly here. If you start gossiping about people in church, chances are someone's going to call you out on that. Why? Because we hate that stuff. We've been, many of us have been a part of churches where that was the norm. And we don't want to go back there and do that again. And so anything that begins to disrupt the unity of our church, we suddenly begin, as much as, as much as we like to laugh and have fun, we'll suddenly get very serious about it. Like, I'm not comfortable with this conversation. I, you know, you need to really pray about your attitude because I think, you know, you've got some stuff going on you need to pray through. We'll, we'll get serious and we'll have some conversations about that. And if you can't let that stuff go and live in unity, and now I'm not saying you have to be best friends with everybody. There's some of you guys that I love so much. And then there's some of you guys that I love seeing you on Sunday morning. <laughs> right? We don't all have to. I won't tell you who. I'm an eye straight head. We, uh, I'm not looking at you, Amy. Uh, I can't look anywhere. So, <laughs> I can't look anywhere. So anyway, no, like here, it's just, it's just the deal. We don't have to be best friends with it. You, some of you would hate being my best friend. Some of you would hate it. Some of you do hate being my best friend. And so like, it's, it's, it's fine that we're, we're not best friends, but this is what we're going to do. We're going to love one another and we are going to pursue unity. And we're going to, we're going to keep the main thing, the main thing. And whenever my offenses and my uh, you know, picky little attitudes and the things that bug me become more primary in my church life than Jesus Christ does, then something has gone off track. And so we're going to keep the main thing, the main thing, and that's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ and reaching this community for him. That's what we're going to be about. Encouraging one another in love, building up one another in love. That's what we, so we have this impatient, we expect unity here. And we're impatient about it if it looks like it's not going to happen. That's what a healthy church really begins to look at. Now, some of you, like me, have been a part of churches where that really wasn't the case. In fact, you, maybe you had um, issues that, like, like what I just, the examples I just gave that would rise up in the church. And instead of those issues, those kind of cancerous things that come up in a church life, instead of those things being addressed, they were just kind of, uh, ignored, swept under the rug, you know, whatever. There was nobody strong enough to kind of go in love. Let's sit down and talk. This isn't good. It's not good for you. It's not good for him or her. It's not good for all of us as a church. Let's talk through this because we can do better than this, right? We can do better than this. That's the kind of church that you want to be a part of. Now, what are these gifts that God has given us to help us maintain this unity? If you keep reading, Starting with verse 11, he says this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we're to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. God's beautiful gift to you to help you maintain unity, to help you have a peaceful, joyful church experience is spiritual leadership. 
spiritual leadership. Now, when we tend to think about leaders, a lot of times we think about, in our mind goes to like bosses and principals, you know, people like that, that you're, you just try to avoid them, right? If I can just stay out of those two offices, I'll be happy, right? And, 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 and so we tend to kind of, again, we know what the leaders are doing, or we think we know what the leaders are doing, uh, but if I could just avoid those conversations, that'd probably be, probably be, be, probably be best, right? But with spiritual leadership, this should not be our attitude. That you should seek out your spiritual leaders because they're put there in place for your benefit, to help you grow. Now, I'm assuming we're all here on a Sunday morning. You got up and got out in the rain and, uh, and uh, you know, braved the, the uh, harsh Northern California storms. And, uh, you know, you did that. Uh, I assume you did that and you went to that effort because there's something about you that decided, you know, I, I kind of want to grow closer to Jesus. I want, I want to, I want to grow in my spiritual walk. I want to, I want to be further down the road next year than I am down the road in my spiritual walk today. So I'm going to invest this time. I'm going to see what God has for me. I'm going to worship with people that I care about. I'm going to do this, right? I assume you're, you're in a position where you want to grow. And I'm going to tell you that one of the greatest things that you can do to grow spiritually is to reach out to your spiritual leaders in the church. And we have a beautiful group of men and women in this church that lead us spiritually. Beautiful group of people that are, that are teaching, that are, are leading ministries, that are eldering, that are on staff, you know, the, the, the whole thing. We're going to focus a little bit on our elders this morning. But we have awesome spiritual leaders here at the church, and their genuine desire is to help you grow closer to Christ. Their genuine desire is to help your kids grow, grow closer to Christ. I'll put up that next point. It's this. God's plan for spiritual growth is leadership. Paul, Paul tells us this. He's like, you, you, want, you, want to, you want to grow, you want to become more mature, then I've given you these gifts of these leaders to help you in that process. God's plan for spiritual growth is leadership. It's funny that Paul doesn't say God's plan for spiritual growth is prayer. God's plan for spiritual growth is getting in your Bible and reading your Bible. God's plan for spiritual growth is, 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 is giving, you know, your tithing at church. Now, he could have said all those things, and those things would, would, would be true. But instead, what he chooses to focus on is this idea of leadership. You want to see your spiritual walk grow? You want to see yourself grow closer to Christ? Take advantage of the leaders and the way they love you, and they care for you, and they want to help you grow. They want to help you grow. Now, when we start, well, first of all, the way Paul expresses it in other letters that he writes is this idea of basically follow me. Do the things that I've done. Do the things that I've showed you. Do what I've done. Follow me. And I can, I, I can tell you that the, one of the greatest honors of my life has, to, has been to serve with the elders at Living Hope Church, both our current elders and past previous elders. Um, I've never seen eldership as healthy and as beautiful as I've seen at Living Hope Church, ever, ever. I grew up in church from the time I was a baby. My dad was a pastor. I've seen behind the scenes, you know, as when I was a kid, I've served on staffs at different churches, you know, throughout my career. And I've never seen healthy eldership the way I've seen it at this church. These are not guys who are looking for power or position. These are very humble, very loving, godly men 
who genuinely just want to serve God and serve this congregation. And it is an honor to watch it. It's an honor to see how, how, how it all plays out. These are great guys. You're going to meet them in just a little bit. But our, we're so blessed. You know, there, you've heard me say before that, you know, when it comes to living hope and what, how is it we have such a, a healthy kind of low drama, beautiful church. And the secret sauce is in the elders. The secret sauce is with the elders. It's not that they do everything and they just make everything so beautiful and wonderful. Actually, that's not even true. That, that's, that's all of you, mostly. What they do is that they work hard behind the scenes to make sure that we provide an environment where that kind of healthy church can grow. And so the way it plays out, I mean, there's lots of prayer. There's lots of digging into the word and, and, and seeking God's face about the direction of the church. There's a lot of tears when you all are hurting, I guarantee you our elders are hurting with you. There, I mean, just so much of this stuff. There's discipline that goes on. And when I say discipline, you automatically, you, you know, you're, ah, I don't know what to think about that. And, and, and the way discipline looks at living hope is it's a very loving process. It's never you screwed up, get out of here. That's not what it looks like. Discipline at living hope is, I see, I, I've noticed that you're going down a path that's, that's destructive. Let's have a conversation about it. Let's talk about that. I just, I just want to encourage you towards, you know, to, towards what you know the Bible says should be going on in your life. I want to encourage you towards that. If we need to, let's, let's have you just kind of, if you're, if you're involved in a bunch of different ministries, let's have you pull back, take a break from those ministries for a little bit so that you can focus on getting your priorities straight and we'll walk with you through that and we'll love you through that and pray with you through that and just take, you know, care for you through that process and then we'll, we'll get you back going again once, you, once you're healthy again. It's a very loving process. I don't think we've had even one person leave living hope because of our discipline process. In fact, they all come out of it going, I feel I've never felt so loved in my life. And that's what real good godly discipline should look like. That's what it should look like. You have this group of guys that care so much about you. They're the secret sauce of why everything is so can be so great around here because of what they put into it, because of the environment that they were able to create just through being submitted to Christ and submitted to each other and submitted to you. And the Bible says you should submit to them too. That we as elders should be able to stand before you and go, follow us. Now, I can tell you very confidently <laughs> that none of us are confident in making that statement. <laughs> None of us, we, we all feel awkward at looking at you guys and say, follow us. It's so much easier to say, follow Jesus. You know, it's like point at the perfect guy, right? But, but the Bible sets this pattern for us that we should be the kind of leaders that we can go, follow us. It's, it's what we actually call discipleship in the church. We're disciples who are making disciples. And so when I say that we, uh, you know, if your antenna goes up because, you know, Especially in our culture today, when we think of spiritual leadership, we think of, you know, cult leaders. We think of, you know, uh, you know, shamed uh, TV preachers. We think, you know, all kinds of stuff, abuses of power and uh, moral, um, you know, abuses and all kinds of stuff. When, when we think of spiritual leadership, that's where our mind tends to go in our culture today. I just want to tell you, I recommend the, the, the leaders of our church to you, not just the elders, the other leaders too, wholeheartedly. These are people that love you and care about you and they want to see you grow in your faith. That's why we're doing what we're doing. 
We want to help each other grow. And we also, in humility, recognize our own weaknesses and our own failures and our own tendencies to, to wander if we're not careful. And so we, we covet your prayers. And we have people in our lives, you know, that are positioned in our lives to help us grow too. And that's the way this whole thing kind of keeps spinning and it keeps working. That's the way it keeps working. So let me challenge you to do this. If you're that person who you, you, you're kind of looking at your, your Christianity, you're looking at your faith and you're going, gosh, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm stuck. I feel like I'm, I'm not moving forward in my faith. Let me challenge you to take advantage of God's beautiful gift of leadership in your life. And get around one of the leaders of our church, whether it's an elder or another leader in our church, get around one of the leaders and say, man, I could really use some help. It seems like you're moving in the right path and it seems like you're excited about your faith. I want to be excited about my faith too. Can you help me in that? Can you help me in that? Challenge the leaders to help you through that because we desperately want to. The last thing we want to be is this church that's just growing and growing and growing by numbers but we're about this deep because everybody's you know, too afraid to admit that they need help. Can I confess to you this morning? I need help. I need help in my faith. I don't have it all figured out. I'm further down the road than I was 20 years ago, but I still don't have it all figured out. I, 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 you, you ask my wife. She'll, she'll, she'll give you a big old list of ways I don't have it figured out. But I'm going to do everything I can to submit myself in such a way that I can get it figured out, that I can do that. I want to be further down the road in my faith than I am today. I do. And I think you do too. So take advantage of how the beautiful ways in which our leadership can help you in that process. Help you. Now, this is what I want to do right now. I want to invite all of our elders to come forward. I want to invite David and his family to come forward. Um, just come on up here. We're going to, we have a little ceremony that we like to, to do whenever we, uh, embrace a new elder into our church. Now, uh, before they all get started, I just want first of all, David has such a beautiful family and uh, this is wife Mia and, uh, and Jada and Jasmine and, or Jada and Jasmine. I can't even remember. And, <laughs> and then, um, and then Maya, too, is coming out. And so um, they're just an incredible family. And I just want to say to David, it just, it, it's an honor to have you on board. It's an honor to call you friend. And, uh, man, I'm a stink or something. You guys come over here by me. All right. So um, it's, it's just an honor. And, and, I, and I'm so excited that you all as a church uh, get, to, get to have this beautiful gift. <laughs> you are God's gift to the church, David. So, yeah, I think, I think you're going to see, <laughs> I think you're going to see, uh, just what a fantastic, just like the other elders that we have, just what a fantastic gift he's going to turn out to be to us. He's going to lead us well, and he already is leading us well. Um, he is, a, he is not a perfect man as he would easily admit, but he's a godly man. Did you, did you know that's our goal to be godly, not perfect? And they're, and they're not the same thing, by the way, they're not the same thing. Just be godly. Just seek after God. And this is what he does. And he leads his family well. He's a great, he's a, just a fantastic father. And, and uh, um, he's, he's been teaching in our church to our kids for years and years and years now. And he's just a good, good, godly man. And I'm so excited to have him uh, helping us lead. And, uh, and so I'm going to, 
uh, turn it over to uh, James right now. James is going to get us started off. Do you have do you have a microphone? Do I have a microphone? Oh, here it is. Go ahead. You can stand here. I'll move over here. All right. As shepherds and overseers of a local church, elders are entrusted with protecting, leading, and equipping, and caring for the church body of believers. David Taylor, do you covenant with us today to help train up new elders and spiritual leaders according to the criteria assigned to them by the scriptures? I do. To prayerfully seek God's will for our church community and steward her resources to the best of your ability based upon your study of scripture and the following of the spirit. I do. To care for the church and seek her growth in grace, truth, and love. To provide teaching and counsel from the whole of Scripture. I do. To equip the members of the church for the work of ministry. I do. To be on guard against false teachers and teachings. I do. To lovingly exercise discipline when necessary for the glory of God, the good of the one disciplined, and the health of the church as a whole. And you, Living Hope Church Covenant, to submit to the spiritual authority of David Taylor as an elder, as granted to him by the scriptures and by you today, for the benefit of your own spiritual growth and the unity and peace of the church. I do. I feel like I should be behind you now. Okay, uh, now I'd like to invite the elders and your family members to lay hands on you so we can pray for you. Father God, thank you so much um, for providing this new elder in our church, God, um, to add to this already group of great leaders, God. Um, Jeff was right. David is a gift. Um, and personally, an inspiration to me as well to uh, be stronger in my faith. And and uh, I, I appreciate that, God. And I just, again, I thank you for David as an elder, Lord. Um, as he goes through this process of being an elder, Lord, I ask that you protect him and his family, God, because trials will come. Um, I pray that they would all endure, Lord, um, stand firm, Father. Um, I just pray that you would protect them through that, Father God. Father God, I pray that you would um, guide David with wisdom, Lord, that you would bless him with even more wisdom, God. I pray that you would continue to grow him in this role as elder in, in his walk with you, Father. Lord God, I pray that you would continue to bless Living Hope Church, God, and that you would continue to put great leaders in our in our leadership roles, God, and that you would just guide this church this group of people, Lord, these leaders, that you would guide them clearly and loudly that we might obey your will and bring glory to you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 <laughs> <laughs> ah, this is awesome. Um, as, as the oldest... Well, not the oldest, but the longest-serving elder. Um, I've had the privilege of uh, of 
going through this uh, with all these men, and, and each time it's a, it's a special occasion. And, and David is a, definitely a special man. Um, David, uh, on behalf of your Living Hope family, we'd like to present you this study Bible. And uh, I know that uh, God's Word that's contained within those covers, um, I know you're going to use it to the fullest to, to be that leader that, that God has in store for you. Um, and to continue to build like he already has, um, and uh, just encourage you uh, throughout your your stint, not just as an elder, but uh, throughout your life. So uh, take this, and uh, we love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. Very good. So um, let me real quickly before these guys take their seats, uh, let me just introduce you in case you're new to our elders. Uh, we have Manuel Escobar. Chris Millard, David Taylor, Craig Studeheit, and James Avery, and, uh, and myself, and uh, that's our elders here at church, so good. So our tradition, our tradition is always to give the uh, newest elder the last word, and so uh, David, uh, share with us what's on your heart and close us in prayer, okay? Thank you. The last word. <laughs> it's contained on my iPad. <clears throat> Thank you. I am honored. I am humbled beyond belief. Get on this chair. And I am overwhelmed. To the point that I am shaking in my boots, so I thought I should sit down before I fall over. Why do I feel so overwhelmed? Maybe it has to do with the trust and the confidence that my pastor, my elders, and you, the congregation of living hope, have trusted in me. I hold all of you in high esteem. I trust you guys have good sense. And I just don't see yet what you guys apparently already see in me. I thank God and I thank you all for this opportunity to serve as your elder here at Living Hope Church. Pastor Jeff has given me just a few minutes to share with you a few of the words that I feel that God has been placing on my heart as of late. And after prayer and meditation, it was easy to hear that that one word was obedience. So I would like to just take a few minutes to reflect aloud here in your presence some of the things that obedience means to me. As I read this Bible, it is clear and it is full of examples of obedience from Genesis to Revelation. Obedience is very important. For example, in the Ten Commandments, give me one second, please. Obedience 
in the story of the Ten Commandments, we can learn just how important the concept of obedience is to God. For example, in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26 through 28, sums up how God feels about obedience. So real quickly, I read from Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26 through 28. It says, Obey, and you will be blessed. Disobey, and you will be cursed. Now, this is our Father speaking. Quick, short, and straight to the point. It means that much to him. And if obedience means that much to my Father in heaven, then it means that much, that important to me. So I want to know what obedience biblically means. The general concept of obedience in both the Old Testament and the New Testament simply means this. Hear, trust, submit, and surrender to God. And obey his words. That's it. While the Bible places strong emphasis on obedience, it's important to remember that as believers, we are not justified by our obedience. For salvation is a free gift from God, and we can do nothing to earn it. True Christian obedience flows from our hearts as a sign of gratitude for the grace that we have received from our Lord. I'm going to quote some um, verses here real fast. Um, Just grab a pen and paper and just write them down, because I'm not going to read all the verses. Just do for time's sake. Obedience. The Bible tells us is an act of worship, and God rewards obedience over and over again. The Bible tells us that God blesses and rewards obedience. For example, James 1, 22 through 25. Obedience to God proves our love, the word tells us. Second John, verse 6. Obedience to God demonstrates our faith. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 through 6. Through obedience, we experience the blessings of a holy living. Psalms 119, verse 1 through 8. In Jesus Christ, we find the perfect model of obedience. As his disciples, we follow Christ's example as well as his commands. Our motivation for obedience is love. John 14, 15 tells us, Christ says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. These verses and many more can be found within this book. Let's us work towards the complete holiness. So we don't learn obedience overnight. It is a lifelong process that we pursue by making it a daily goal. These are just few of the reflections of my studies, of my prayers and meditations on the subject of obedience. And I just pray to God that that we would just all benefit from them. As we pray. Heavenly Father. Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity. 
this opportunity just to be a part of such a wonderful church. Father, I just thank you for the position of leadership. Father, I just pray that you would just guide me and lead me correctly, Father, and that I would just be obedient to your will. Father, I ask that you would just continue to teach us and grow us according to your will, Father. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thank you all once again for accepting me as your elder. You guys have a great week.